Hello and welcome to another episode of the Funds Download. I'm Phil Graham, Global Head of the Investment Funds team at Harneys. I'm joined today by two very familiar faces. Uh, Mark Piano, back in again, um, our smart contract coding guru. Thank you for joining us. And back by hugely popular demand, uh, Matthew Tabor, last seen in his uh, attic. Uh, Matt, any updates on this? Have you managed to escape? Fortunately, now that Cayman has basically been declared COVID-free, my children are back at school and my wife is back in the office. So I'm now home alone, which um, means I can sit anywhere and do podcasts, which is amazing. Truly, truly groundbreaking. Uh, that is that is good to hear. Thank you, thank you both for, for joining us. Um, Mark, I am absolutely sure you will be yet once more the sort of star of this show, largely because of the sort of very specific timing. There was a very important um, sort of bit of guidance that came out very recently, and you've been at the forefront of it. And without further ado, I'll sort of hand over to you to, uh, to talk our listeners through it. That's great. Thanks, Phil. And the Tech London Advocates is a network of more than 9,000 tech leaders, entrepreneurs and experts in London, across the UK and worldwide. And during my time at my firm in London, I worked with a few lawyers to focus on some of the legal and regulatory considerations around DLT technology in particular and looking at smart contracts, which was my particular area of specialism as a main focus. And we took evidence from leading experts in industry uh, across projects involving digitization of HMLM registry, ISDA uh, document transactional processes, and a variety of different uh, systems, and took that evidence, applied some legal and regulatory analysis to it, and came up with a series of best practice guidance points and things to consider around digitization projects, stakeholder considerations, dispute resolution mechanisms, and some of the things to think about for lawyers who are involved in these projects. And one of the things I wanted to focus on was the role of lawyers in digitization projects or transactions facilitated by or through smart contracts in future. And it was often said that smart contracts in the early days would eliminate the need for lawyers entirely. And I'm sure some people would be quite happy at that news, but the reality is that lawyers will actually play a more central role in not just the development of these platforms and smart contracts, but in facilitating the different stakeholders by acting as a, a synthesis or a bridge between the different parties on the technical, legal, or commercial side. Delighted to have been a part of this report and to prepare it, and really looking forward to bringing this experience and perspective to the funds management space and helping our clients in any way I can. I, th I think it's really interesting. I mean, the, the, point, the point you raise about the announcement, for those that are listening and sort of wondering, well, why is that, why is that so important that that gets the recognition by, by the High Court and the process of using smart contracts can be recognized? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a fund manager. I'm, 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 I'm in this space in some form. But what, why is this particularly relevant to them? I think it's relevant because it shows that this area, not just in terms of smart contracts, but virtual assets and blockchain and DLT in particular, is now being given very serious legal consideration by very senior people in the legal profession and in the judiciary. And I think that gives an element of confidence that this industry as a whole is starting to receive the treatment and attention it deserves with recognition of the potential that it holds for the future. I mean, Matt, from your perspective, I know you, you very patiently sat there and, and sort of listened to, to, to the presentation yesterday. And, and Mark is far too modest to say, but, you know, obviously he was a, he was a big part of it. What, what, was your, what were your takeaways as you, as you listened to it and thinking about the sort of the, the funds industry and, and, and where we are and where this could go? 
For me, uh, the it, most interesting piece was exactly what Mark just mentioned. And it feeds into quite a lot of the way in which investment funds operating offshore in the BVI and Cayman over the last 20 years have seen developments of interesting and largely novel pieces of litigation where previously you may not have seen specific disputes you may not have had specific common law to deal with certain things so good examples would be post-crisis in 2008 the courts looking at things like redemption subscriptions and then looking at problems that were firm came out of Madoff and the various funds that that, uh, that fed into that the judges in both Cayman and the BVI needed to be innovative, needed to look at the specifics. They needed to understand the industry in detail. And when you look at the way in which the judges in the UK are now thinking about this, if you're going to be operating in a business which has any touch point in relation to blockchain, DLT, call it what you will, knowing that there's an appreciation of it as a technology and how it should interact with legal principles that already exist means that there's an element of comfort that you can draw from it. Look, looking ahead and, and potentially being a little bit optimistic in terms of forecasting, we could potentially see a situation where if a virtual asset fund takes in subscriptions in virtual assets and makes investments in virtual assets, you could automate elements of the LPA provisions, which could be dealt with automatically in line with the code that constitutes that smart contract. So for example, any default by a limited partner and the cascading waterfall of provisions, which often apply in order, could be automatically executed. And therefore, a shortfall, for example, could be called upon or the limited partners tokenized share could automatically be put out for purchase by the other limited partners. And so you could see a point where if there's any dispute around the extent of the default or the valuation of the limited partners, default and limited partners share offered the transfer, you could then have a resolution mechanism within the contract, within scope that's agreed at the time, to resolve any dispute. What's your take on how this then spreads into you know, the, these types of funds also on the fund administration side, these types of funds on the, on the fund audit side? I mean, this, it, it all flows in the same direction, doesn't it? I mean, Matt, Matt where, where are you on that? Fund side, fund admin, audit, these things have been talked about for years if and when they, they gain more traction, more critical mass that they need to take forward. Yes, I think you can absolutely see situations where um, things like digital identity will assist with anti-money laundering. Mm. Um, checks that administrators need to do it will assist with transfers. Then you've got situations where audit functions can have more automation or more transparency even brought into them where the auditors have access, for example, to um, more simply to underlying transactional data than they might have ordinarily now. And that level of transparency gives all sorts of comfort. Where are you on it, Mark? Does this make the whole ecosystem and infrastructure you know, fundamentally more efficient, fundamentally more reliable? Um, are all of these good things in, in, in looking at our particular industry? These sorts of projects and technology are right if scoped and implemented properly for some use cases, but absolutely not right for others. There's no point putting this technology in place and lining up a whole range of expensive solutions and niche service providers if it's really just not suitable in terms of time and cost saved or increases your risk and liability or simply elongates the time scales or actually increases the processes required. It, from a fund manager's perspective, there's a lot of uh, 
cost and time efficiencies here. There's legal risk and responsibility to consider. And if you are going to go down this road, you have to consider what that means in terms of disclosure to investors in the offering documents, not just in terms of the underlying investments in virtual assets or portfolio companies and what that means, but also explaining to investors at different levels of sophistication or different levels of institutional knowledge exactly what the mechanics are for subscribing to the fund and being able to have ready the necessary virtual assets to subscribe, having the infrastructure in place to receive the redemptions and transparency around the process of that, the, the data flows, the transaction flows, the stakeholders involved. Investors in this space are either going to be very avant-garde and sophisticated or they're going to be institutional with the cautiousness that you'd expect around certain approaches to investment. And therefore, from a fund manager's perspective, they need to ensure they've got all the constituent elements together to be able to appeal to the right investor demographic that they want to attract, especially if they're going to use this technology, but, but also giving the comfort through communication and through systems to the investors that all aspects of their queries and all aspects of their policies when it comes to investment have been considered and addressed and can speak the language not of the technology and extolling its virtues, but of how this, from an investor's point of view, is potentially going to give them faster subscription times, faster redemptions, more transparency in the reporting process, and uh, faster investment processes themselves. The reality with some of this is that we get approached a lot by fund managers who want to be operating in the, for want of a better word, the blockchain space. And be that through the underlying investments or the technologies that they want to use in order to um, get investors in, all of those things. And, and if you look, for example, at some of the things that we get proposed, it, I want to, for example, I don't want to issue a traditional share in a company or a limited partnership interest. I want to tokenize it. And then you drill down a bit further into why that might be well I, I want greater liquidity or I said well this is an open-ended fund and the reality is that liquidity is gained by an investor submitting a redemption request um, transfer it's not like we're creating something that exists on a stock exchange and when it comes to things like faster subscription times better um, response times on things like valuation and so on lots of these things are talked about that an investor would for example be able to look on a portal and get real-time valuation data mm for the for the for the right service provider fund administrators are already putting some of these things in place to streamline the processes um an open-ended fund like i say doesn't need to get liquidity by offering transferability on a free and open market necessarily and lots of investor portals exist out there for fund administrators. now obviously they're not all singing or dancing but i think the reality is at the moment those those goals are very, very minor um, in terms of the impact that the technology might have. And I think the reality is that the more interesting piece is probably the, 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 the greater leap that may or may not come when you uh, smarten up, if you like, some of the contracts that currently exist and allow parts of them to be executed automatically based on oracles or, or whatever other uh, process that you want to use that I think those are the more interesting pieces for me we piggyback off that and I think what Matt's talking about there is a step forward which I think at this stage some people most people aren't willing to make because a lot of the technology is experimental 
and the systems and infrastructure and service providers and judicial consideration isn't there yet. It isn't necessarily there yet to get people comfortable to spend the time and resources to build up their fund offering or their systems in place to operate on that basis. But I do think as this technology goes from experimental through to maturation and adoption and appetite, we're going to see either third party offerings to allow this, this sort of streamlined process and harnessing the benefits of oracles and external data and pulling that into the smart contracts to flourish. But we may also see a demand even at institutional or very large fund level to develop this technology in-house in a very considered structured way involving the right stakeholders, including lawyers, on day one and make sure if it's a process that's repeatable and is therefore worth the time and investment to develop it from scratch because they want to launch lots of funds off the back of it, that it's done properly and has uh, survivability long into the future. I'm fascinated by a number of aspects of that. I mean, I, I, th I think what one, of, one of them is that if you talk to anyone in the more traditional space about, about sort of capital raising, yeah, and, 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 and we've all attended those sort of almost speed dating style capital raising um, sort of conferences and watched them, watched them in action. You know, one of, the, one of the biggest issues, especially managers running algos or whatever it might be, have is just fundamentally explaining what they do, how they do it in a very short, easy to understand way to get the capital in. Now, if you're going to start throwing in smart contracts as well, without a more traditional offering document, which has written word that someone can, can, can fully understand. I'm, 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 I'm really interested to see how that goes on, on a sort of capital raising perspective, because fundamentally it'll just come down to the numbers as it always does. That's going to be interesting. And without further ado, we will, we will wrap up there. Thank you both. Thanks. Thank you.